Welcome to the Yams and Yuka podcast, where we explore the fabric of black identities through culture, food, art, life experiences, and more, sharing the stories of international creatives. I'm Kamara. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather, and we are your co-hosts. Thank you to those coming back to the table, and welcome to all of our new listeners. We have a great show planned for you to kick off the season. As always, we're going to start off our meal with an appetizer discussing today's theme, which is cycles of creativity. And after that, we'll bring our guests to the table. So let's jump right in it. And we are back. Kamara, it's season two. I know it's been a while, but here we are. (laughs) We are back at the table, um, back to share more things about how we're doing our work, how we're doing our our creative practice, how we're living our lives. Um, And speaking of which, our topic for today is cycles of creativity Um, and what are the seasons of an artist? How do we how do we work? So let's answer that question first. How do you work, Kamara? What's your work life balance typically like? Well, you know, everything has really changed in the last 18 months, hasn't it? Mm. So I would say before COVID, my work life balance was just work. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the slash life slash balance wasn't quite there I mean I did, I did do a lot of things you know I'm always quite social but I think um I probably tried to do too many things there was a lot of work and then social um the kind of life balance element tended to f- fall more on the work side so for example mm you know, the things I would do for enjoyment might be to go and watch a show, for example, which is still kind of work. work. (laughs) (laughs) Still kind of work. Um, And I never would book in holidays. I did go on holidays. Um, I always had holidays, but I never booked holidays in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was before COVID. And since COVID, everything has really slowed down. Um, I've really tried to have more of that life balance element, Mm -hmm. you know, I think what was good was when we were forced to go on those walks every day, I felt like we were forced, but it's kind of, yeah. When we went on those walks every day, um, our daily one hour of exercise, um, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. And that was just really, that was really good. You just realized how, much I don't do things like that I don't go and walk in nature and just literally stop and smell the roses you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so I found that really good and I've tried to incorporate that into my current routine so now on a Wednesday morning and a Saturday morning I have to go for a walk for and I walk to Stratford which is like an hour away um at Mm. least so uh, those are some things that I definitely incorporate now I've I've I discovered booking holiday time in advance. And <laughs> yes, that's a thing. <laughs> now, who knew, Heather? Who knew? Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so how do you work? How have you found your work-life balance? 
It's so funny. Everyone is in this sort of like um, pre-COVID um, PC or BC before COVID and after COVID. I feel like that's mm-hmm. how we're going to start addressing things from now on uh, mm-hmm. with time signatures. Um, I would say before COVID, I did okay, but very similar to you. It's probably like 85% work and 15% life. Um, and a lot of that changed more so by force because obviously I had a, a daughter. So I had to kind of like really bring that element in intentionally. But also, um, like you said, like a lot of times, like our play is still associated with work. Like we're going to a show, we're going to a a dance or creative event that becomes networking and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, because we love what we do, you know, naturally we're around it all the time, but, um, yeah, after COVID, I think, or (laughs) once COVID hit, um, I've had to really, really pay attention to like the life balance part of it. And I think even more so because, um, we're not travel. We didn't have to travel for work. It was very easy for me to say yes, 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 yes to so many things, mm-hmm. especially because I lost a lot of work right at the beginning of quarantine. So I was mm-hmm. trying to overcompensate mm-hmm. for that loss of of work. And now I think you know, over a year into it, I same with you. I had to really set out my time for my holiday. Now I'm used to pre-booking holidays <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I've actually always been like that. Even before I I kind of transitioned from being a performer into more management side, because I would know my tour schedule like a year in advance. I would right. have to pre-book my holidays because mm-hmm. that was literally like my only chance to go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, was when we had breaks from from touring, but. I think in this pandemic space, because I kind of overloaded my plate, I had I took two weeks out in April where I actually did not do any work. A lot of times when I've done pre-book holidays, I'm still checking my emails and mm-hmm. notifications are still coming in or yeah. someone will send me a text message. And I actually almost tried to schedule a meeting during my two weeks this past <laughs> April and the universe snatched it right back away. It was like, nope, technology is <laughs> not going to work today. <laughs> um, but I actually did, I put all of my auto replies on all seven of my email accounts. Wow. Yes, I have seven. (laughs) Um, And work accounts. We're not even talking about personal accounts. And I really like put my phone away. Some days I would never check my phone. I didn't even turn on the TV. I woke up as and when I pleased, did Mm -hmm. as whatever I wanted to. Um, I couldn't travel at that time, obviously, because we're still pretty much in lockdown. But um, yeah, I actually did nothing and Mm -hmm. it felt great. And so now that I've come out of that kind of two week hiatus back in Mm -hmm. April, I'm like craving it more and more. So in the past few months, I've tried to be a little bit more intentional about how much work I'm doing in a day and making sure I'm not having like 10 hour days, which was really Mm -hmm. easy for me to do being at home. It's like Mm -hmm. working for 10 hours straight because it's like, I didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah to do the work. I just roll out of bed, brush my teeth, <laughs> <laughs> open the computer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess it's yeah about being a bit more intentional about that balance and making sure that the life part has nothing to do with dance. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I've made sure that it's, they're spaces of creative inspiration. So they're still quite creative in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm doing crafts or if I'm listening to music or watching TV or film um, 
anything like that. I like to color into stationary, that kind of thing, or puzzles or what have you. Something still kind of like that inspires me in some way, but has absolutely nothing to do with my work so that it really feels like an escape Mm -hmm. and balance as well. Yeah, it's really important. It's so important to have that balance, the work-life balance. Who knew, eh? (laughs) It's a thing. (laughs) It is a thing. It is a thing. So what lessons do you think that you've learned over the last um, 18 months? Um, You have to say no. It's You have to say no to things. It's part of um, maintaining your overall health. Mm-hmm. You know, mental, physical, emotional, all of that, because you only have one body, you only have one spirit, you can't do everything, you yeah. know. Um, so you have to say no. And that means on the other side of that, you have to say yes to the things that are really aligned with like your true purpose and your true passion, whatever your focus is at whatever period in your life. But when you do say yes to things, they have to be you have to be absolutely 100% sure that it's what you want to do. And if mm-hmm. it's not, and you, you know, for me, when I realized that what I have said yes to doesn't quite fit or doesn't align with where I am, then I have to be comfortable with saying, okay, thank you for this experience, but I'm going to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do that with confidence. What about you? Yeah. I mean, the main lessons that I've learned is just really just taking time out to having days off. That's the main mm. thing that that I've not that I've learned, but that I've just put into practice more, mm-hmm. um, and just uh, tried to focus on, yeah, definitely having taking time out and having time when I don't work, when I'm just literally just sitting in the sunshine, just sitting mm-hmm. there, <laughs> mm-hmm. looking at where whatever scenic place I'm at, and just being with um, nature a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy being in nature. So for me. Um, yeah, that's what I've learned to just take more time being with nature yeah. and um, taking time out. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's important. And I felt like when I had that big chunk of time and then I came out of it and went back into work, yes, it was a little bit, um, it took me some time to transition back into the speed of things, but also I just came out so inspired. You know, yeah. I I was able to take part in so many other things mm-hmm. that then motivated me to to approach my work differently. And, you know, I came in with new passion, like a, a new spark, a new joy for what I was doing. So it's, yeah. it's necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is part of that cycle of like keeping mm-hmm. you keeping you going and making sure you continue in your in your work. That you really yeah, definitely. It is that kind of rejuvenation period. You have to take the time off mm-hmm. for the to just rest and, um, yeah, everything kind of r- renews itself. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm-hmm. inside our body, you know, our cells kind of renew themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we need to do that as as people as well, for yeah. sure. And it's. It's funny. We know this as dancers. Like when we get injured, Mm -hmm. we take a rest and we Mm -hmm. know that we have to do that recovery and then we can come back Mm -hmm. and dance again. It's like we forget to do that as people in our everyday lives. Like we can't always be on 10. We can't always be at a thousand. Mm -hmm. We have to. There are waves of how we work. And um, when we are, you know, producing work, when we're out there really pushing things forward and then when we're kind of in hibernation and recovering and you know, mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves. Yeah. 
So what does the future look like for you? Um, the future looks, gosh, the future is unlimited. <laughs> the future is changing. Future is changing every single day, Heather. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing that I was thinking about was actually what you said just before about being in alignment with mm-hmm. what with your purpose. So the future is really about being in alignment with my purpose and really just. Um, doing things that that match that uh, mm-hmm. you know just exactly what you said really that's what the future holds um you know it's always for me about youth dance and the youth dance company and evolving that um the last 18 months has had time you know we've talked about cycles I took a break from the company as well for several mm-hmm. months and that really that time really did allow me to um, step back and do a lot of planning that has just been that I never had time to do before do planning apply for funding and yeah. since then it's it's kind of kept on moving in a forward direction and all because I took those three months out um, mm. so yeah so the future for me looks like just building on everything that we've been working on now um, having more dancers having a stable base um, studios um, and a really solid youth dance company. And as for myself, um, yeah, doing more work that I enjoy. So consultancy, um, work always to do with diversity in dance and just finding opportunities and choreographing as well, really finding more, more of those things. How about you? What does the future look like? Well, for me, I think yeah, I'm going to be intentional about taking those pauses mm-hmm. and um, what you said about future planning, like really scheduling stuff like that in, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, for myself, like apart from the different organizations that I work for, I have my own personal work that I do as a freelance producer and a freelance lecturer and mentor and artist and performer. Mm-hmm. Um, so really taking the time to sit back and reshape my practice and what that looks like and Mm -hmm. kind of what elements of what I do and my expertise do I really want to highlight and share and put out there? Um, and what others do I want to be a little bit more dormant? Um, I know my, my Horton students are really mad at me for being dormant for so long because I actually haven't had an open class in, in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things in my practice that has kind of taken a backseat in the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, It already did before COVID hit, but um, I came back for a little bit and was like, no, I really meant to take that time off away from teaching every single week for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I missed my students, but there's something about really being again, intentional about when I step into that space and what is the purpose that it serves for me to do certain parts of, of my creative practice. So yeah, it's, for me, it's intentionally putting in that time to reflect on my work um, and to cycle out the different things that I do so that I can really give it my all instead of kind of being so spread thin across the different things that I do. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it seems really clear that um, we need these cycles. We need mm-hmm. these periods of rest um, to generate ideas to kind of make sure our creative juices are encouraged and flourished and yeah. that, that positively benefits us moving forward. And yet 
it still takes a lot for us to do that. Yeah, to sit down. <laughs> to sit down. <laughs> so, you know, you've said how much it benefited you. I've said how much it benefits, it's benefited me, but yet we're still reluctant to do it. So hopefully. Um, we have to hold each other accountable, Kamara. Uh, hold That's each what other we have to do. That's it. And continue to move forward um, and use these cycles and just remember how it does benefit our creativity and our work and our work-life balance and at the end our ourselves as, as artists yes absolutely well I'm gonna hold us to that and speaking of which our guest for today is actually the person who inspired this topic for us so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll welcome our guest to the table we'll be right back Welcome back. It's time to introduce our guests. We have Core Case here with us today, but before they come to the table, I'll share a little bit about him. Core Case, also known as Uni Core, is an actor, artist, activist, writer, musician, producer, designer, event coordinator, and co-founder of Afrovan Connect. Born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia, his art reflects his traditional East African heritage and North American upbringing. Core began his acting and music career in the 2010s, releasing music independently on online platforms and playing local shows in the Vancouver community. Core's unique and powerful perspective on life and love bridge a gap between two worlds creating a musical experience that is dynamic and empowering. As an actor, he has appeared on shows like Man in the High Castle, iZombie, and C. In 2019, Core co-founded an artist collective called Afrovan Connect, an organization focused on creating Black spaces and platforms for African descent people to connect and express themselves. The intention of Afrovan Connect is to build a strong community through creating safe spaces for healing, rooted conversations, and the arts. Let's welcome Core to the table. Welcome, Core. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Yeah, indeed. Welcome. Wow, what an intro. That was incredible. So many things there. So we've got a lot to talk about today, it seems. And what I'd love to know really, first of all, is what is what is a significant memory growing up that shaped who you are today? Well, I, I, I recently, um, with our organization, we've been filming a documentary um, that recently wrapped and they asked a lot of questions about this, our general experiences. And it was really crazy that I had forgotten why I was doing what I'm doing now and how rooted it was within my cultural upbringing. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do is we hold space and create spaces for people to come together. And growing up as a child, my mother and father would have gatherings all the time. And they would invite like everyone from the community just to build some level of community, particularly in Western Canada, where there really wasn't a lot of people happened to send when I was being raised. So in order to kind of create that pseudo-African experience, they would invite a lot of their friends over for gathering and shared food. And it, it dawned on me as an adult, um, that which is part of my experience of creating intentional Black spaces, that like it's rooted in my childhood in that way. But I just remember having like a lot of parties and a lot of great food and just meeting a lot of people. 
and and not knowing why my parents did it, but really appreciating it now as an adult and seeing how um, it's definitely influenced who I am and like and the stuff that I do. Yeah, that's great. And before you came on, you mentioned um, we said we'd be talking about food. So it is really interesting that food has come into it straight away and how yeah. important it is, you know, in into shaping those experiences. So you do have your Ugandan heritage and you've got your North American upbringing. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit more how that influences the choices that you've made through your life? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, my particular family genetics coming from um, Uganda from the late 80s and migrating because of the military coup and things that happened in the country at the time, through Zaire, Congo, to South Sudan, and then to North America. Um, and upon getting here and being here, being born here, um, it was a lot. It was very like uh, cognitive dissonance in the sense that there's a really Canadian experience and there's that you have to be really abreast to. And then there's your African household bringing. And then also there's maybe like a third space of blackness. And that's like all having to integrate and weave that and be like, oh, I have to know I'm continental African, but I was born in North America. And I have to know about the history of North and what it means to be black in North America, because that doesn't match my African experience that I'm being shown and taught at home. So there's a lot of just like having to put on code switching a lot of the time, even within the black community, but also with other people. So there's just a lot of just switching hats and 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 being like, okay, who do I have to be now? And I think that's also part of how, you know, a lot of people were raised at that particular time of like just integrate, try to be the model minority and just figure out how you could just assimilate into a space. Um for a level of ease and level of maybe safety, but obviously you're black in an all white space. So there's only so much assimilation you could do. <laughs> exactly. And you mentioned something really interesting and kind of like pivots one of our staple questions. Usually we say, where is home? And knowing that you've been born and raised in Vancouver, but have a very strong connection to your East African traditions and like you said, being connected to the continent. I want to flip the question and say, what is home? You know, how do you identify that having so many different influences be there as part of your, your upbringing? That's a great question. Um, not until I went back to Africa, did I actually really connect with Vancouver it's like I had to go back to the continent and and to where my 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 initial influences came from and to fully understand why my parents were the way they were and why my other siblings and why we were the way we were and fully connecting in that space and finding such a strong connection to that space. Like, oh, wow, this is how people speak my language. People move like me. People talk like me. Mm. I'm not other here. I am just another human being and I'm being experiencing, I'm experiencing that exchange of what it feels like to just be a human being and not be that other individual, whatever that was made to be in North America. And so I felt a strong connection to home on the continent. Mm. And then because of that feeling, I was like, why don't I feel that in Vancouver? Even though mm. I was born there and I was raised there, I don't feel that or haven't felt that there. And so within coming back, 
um, from the continent after some time, I was just like, you know what? I want to move to the continent. I want to be in that type of environment. I want, like, I, I realize I'm, something's missing, but then obviously realizing that maybe that couldn't be sustainable or right away. So then the question was like, how could I make this space, Vancouver or North America where I'm at, feel more like home mm. in that, in that mm-hmm. sense? And so that definitely is what aligned me with Afrobank Connect and, and being like, hey, let's start to make intentional spaces that reflect our personal experiences. Like when we're designing the spaces, let's bring the items from home. Like mm. let's really personalize it and, and try to ground and create like some level of like self-identification in the spaces and show up in the spaces. And it definitely, it just started to change how I felt in Vancouver in Canada and also gave me a level of grounding connection to the space. And like, I could show up here. Like I can put my poster on the wall. You know what I mean? I can, mm. I can have my, my throw here. I can, I can have my, my book on the corner. So my Angelou or some James Baldwin book, like I could start to like mirror and reflect my internal reality in my external space. Right. And I think that's when you find home. I think when your internal reality starts to express in your outer space. And I was able to do that now. Nice. That's really beautiful. And speaking of making your external space match the internal, part of that is food. Like that's the one that's, you brought that up right away Mm -hmm. talking about significant memories. So um, what is your favorite food from home? Wherever that is, (laughs) whenever that is. (laughs) Uh, Whenever that is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My mom is an amazing cook. Shout out to my mom. I think, um, yeah, shout out to Black women in general. Like, shout out to us. To, yeah, to just thank you, love and 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 healing and all that. Um, but yeah, anything pretty much like in Africa, it's like in Uganda specifically, the main country dish is matoke, which is like bananas um, or plantain. Mm-hmm. I love plantain, um, but yeah, it's it would be anything with plantain in it. I really appreciate that. Plantain and beans, I could have that every day. Like um I'm I'm leading uh more so a plant-based experience, but um baby steps and working towards that. I still enjoy meat and stuff like that. And I realized that just to be clear, not everyone can be a vegan and not everyone can be a vegetarian. Like some exactly. people actually really need it. Yeah. And it's actually could be it's very limiting because in the sense that culturally it's such it's so tied into ritual and custom and and history so like i honor meat and the eating of meat and i respect all life um as well at the same time but yeah anything with plantain or like beans i think those two for me are like i know it's kind of like for some people it's like beans but it's like no <laughs> beans if you if you have some good beans that go to the continent like you you would be like beans all day and fish because in yes. Canada there's lake victoria so fish so fish beans yeah and plantain, plantain. Yeah, yeah. That's We're a book st- name, Fish, Beans, and Plantain, an <laughs> album. <laughs> well, we, you know, from season one to now, we're going to continue building our recipes. People have made wonderful contributions. One of our goals is to make a Yams and Yuka uh, recipe book. So, yeah, we'll add that in there. People have definitely yeah, add, had that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally. Yeah, definitely. It sounds good. Fish, beans, and 
I didn't say plantain. I say plant plantain. So I'm on yeah. team plantain. So I don't know how you feel about that. If that changes the dish, but you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> no that definitely. I'm, I'm still here for it. Good, good, good. Because there's a whole plant and plantain debate, Listen, but we won't get into that. We won't that. get into that again. But for now, cool, you can stay. So it's all good. Um, but that sounds delicious. And I'm sure your mom makes something totally amazing. Um, so going to your creative work, it would be really great to know what, and if you could just share with us and your li- and our listeners, what is the focus of your creative work and why did you choose to center your work around this? Hmm. It's definitely been a very interesting journey. Um, initially, I think music and art has always been very, very healing for me. And it's always been a space for me just to like express, um, and then I didn't know that I was training myself through expression with a skill and then realizing, oh, now I have a skill and there's a responsibility with that skill. Um, and now so my, my main focus is trying to reflect my personal experience in the most honest way that I can. Um, and my personal experience, I think like a lot of the times when we, we do art, how to learn art is by mimicking and copying other people's styles and things like that. But I think realizing that so much of who I am and like I said, the reality that I can show up in space and I could bring my memories and experiences into space. And so now it's an interesting process of just unpacking my experience more so and finding places in which I could share my actual, my story and, and, and knowing that, I have the agency too, and that understanding that I have a responsibility um, because of the experiences that I have to share them, and hopefully that will inspire other people um, within whatever process or journey that they're in. And that's kind of where I'm right now. So I'm, I'm feeling more so empowered with with honoring the life that I've had and the experience that I have, and sharing that unapologetically um, mm. to the best of my ability. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So did it take you a while to get to that place to be able to share unapologetically? Yeah, I think there's so many, because I think when it comes to that cognitive dissonance thing or the colonial and constructs that exist within ourselves, um, it's always like that's not going to be presentable in the white gaze or that's not going to be acceptable within uh, what is the normative way of being, but just within the realization that the normative way of being is just one way of being. There's a spectrum of, of existence, of expression, and all those types of expression are not wrong. I think we just have centered one way of being and in that way marginalized other experiences and so made it uncomfortable for people to show up exactly how they are and be like, hey, this is also a way of being. This is also vital and important. This is also necessary. This is also just who I am and how I'm moving through space. And so I'm also interested in that that space and being like, yeah, this is actually what's been going on and this is what my experience is. But yeah, definitely um, took a lot of level of growth, spiritual growth, mental health growth, and just building like a level of confidence within yourself and also removing influences that would block you from getting to that point. Because mm-hmm. um, after a certain point, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm the one perpetuating this affirmation or this statement or this system or this construct. Um, and then finding that when I started to remove those things, 
the natural way of being just started to shine through more. Um, and I allowed it to foster and to grow. And now it's like, it's alive. And, and now it's like telling me what to do. And, you know, it's just like being like, it's, and it's unapologetic. It's just like, yo, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't have to do that. I don't like, I'm not negotiating with marginalizing myself. I'm not mm-hmm. negotiating with putting myself in an uncomfortable environment. Um, I'm not going to do that. And I don't care what anybody thinks. Oh, and the power of no, no. Mm. And I don't have to explain myself to you. You know, yeah. like it is what it is. My feelings are valid and my feelings are mine. And I could, and I don't, I could choose to share them with you or not. Um, and then, which also gives you a level of value instantly because you have the ability to decide what to, sh- what you can share and what not to, and the agency to do so. So it's just like, this is my reality. This is my narrative. And I'm choosing to share this with you. And your opinions are okay because you're a human being, you have an opinion, but they don't matter in relation to the fact of that I exist and what I'm sharing is is my truth. Mm-hmm. And there's more than one truth and more than 10 or 100 things can be true at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great that you um, have been able to reach that place because I know it can take a while sometimes, um, but mm-hmm. the, especially what you said about the power of no, that's so important to being able to present yourself the way that you want to present yourself. Um, and you've described yourself as a shapeshifter. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of different roles on your bio when it was read out. It was very yeah. impressive. So yeah. which of your creative roles do you enjoy the most and why? Mm. It's like, yeah, definitely. I think it was almost like, I would just say that's just being black. I'm pretty sure like looking at these two wonderful beautiful women <laughs> here that you guys are the same. You have so many different titles and things that you have to be. Things that don't even have labels yet that you've, that you're navigating and doing. And I think that because of the necessity for invention and, and the problems that exist, um, I think that what I, I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like, I'm a good problem solver. Right. I think that's what it is. I've built a competence and confidence within myself to be able to look at something and to approach it authentically and to come up with a solution that hopefully serves me and, and, and is impactful for other people around me. And that's really, I think, what the main basis of the shapeshifter is. It's just like, I know I'm getting a stronger awareness of who I am and I know that it's becoming more consistent and I know that I can show up in space and utilize what I have to do what I need to do. But I do really, really, I think music is just something that, um, and writing, I, I find, I find like just expressing myself is really just, it's so a part of my, my wellness that I just, and, and a lot of people, it's just like music is, you know, for the people that I may stay with, like, they'd be like, oh, you're just making racket, but it's just like such a healing thing for me, you know? And it's, and it's something that allows me to ground or come into like myself and, and to synthesize my experience sonically into a way that is like, uh, almost just, just un- unconsciously, like just stabilizing. It's a stabilizing grounding thing. So music is definitely, that thing for me and even if i don't share the things that i create like it's 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 like i said it's my choice whether i want to share it or not but it's one of those things that's definitely like this helps me yeah 
That's really beautiful. And it's actually a really nice perspective. And one of the things about how you speak and the way that you approach your work that really actually inspired me wanting to have you on the episode and and the topic that we're discussing today, which is Mm -hmm. about how do you create work? What are those cycles? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Just to give a bit of context to the listeners. So uh, Cor was a a panelist on... um, uh, another event that I did some time back where we were just networking and sharing. And we had this moment in our breakout discussion um, and core brought up how you can't always be in a season of producing things and you can't always be in spring. Basically there are, there's cycles and moments where you need to reflect and hibernate or maybe stabilize yourself or kind of get that expression out. That's not necessarily meant to be out there or to be presented. So can you talk about sort of how do you how do you flow through your creative process and and when you're in season and out of season and how does that impact your work? Yes, I thank you so much for bringing that up. I think that 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 is probably the most uh, the greatest part of my my life um, is that awareness of of the actual presence. I would call it of like Mother Nature or like God understanding to like work with the flow and to be like mindful in the sense that like to tune into the time and then to ask the question of how could I be most impactful within this moment based upon what it's asking me to do as opposed to what I want to impose upon it. Um, And I think that puts us in a place of like generative ways of being, meaning that it's like the whole time let go, let God awareness Mm-hmm. And like tuning into a higher sense of awareness of like, okay, what, based upon who I am, now that I know who I am, what is best for me to offer at this particular time? And yeah. that kind of sometimes elevates you to a space that's beyond the limitations that you may have created for yourself or that others have created for you. And then the interesting and scary thing about that is that you may find yourself operating in a space beyond that you ever thought that you would be. And it's just like, wow, I'm really just in this space. And it's like, it's happening and moving and the information is coming and it's a level of trusting, but definitely um, I've tuned in with the cycles and the flow because of nature and spending time in nature and realizing that like space, nature teaches you everything. And mm-hmm. and like, and the, even when we talked about like spring, the traditional spring, summer, fall, winter and the equinoxes and stuff like that. Everyone's cycle is different even within that. Some people's spring is winter, mm-hmm. you know, and some people's summer is fall. Like, mm-hmm. so it's just like understanding that like the the external imposition upon like, oh, it's summer and I have to be out and going may not be everyone's experience. For some people, maybe they're winter and maybe like, I need to chill, I need to, yeah. or I need to just, clear everything everything's clear i just need to be thoughtful and intentional about the spring coming and and the gathering of the season what season i'm going to put out there um but definitely i think that uh tuning into this way has definitely allowed me to become more um effective with my with my work and it has definitely influenced me a lot i think what was one of the main things that happened like for me there's something called the via combusta in astrology i'm <laughs> In Zodiac, but it's like, it's like 15 degrees 
Libra, they say, into 15 degrees Scorpio. And that potentially is like the fall. Like when mm. this when the main shift happens and there's like a lull in energy. Mm. Um and I feel it. Yeah. And at that particular moment, that's basically supposedly also when the the sun kind of connects or I don't know, the sun or the planet passes through the Milky Way. And in the Milky Way, there's all this stardust and all this other energy that affects the Earth's ability to get direct sunlight. So supposedly it makes a, a difference in like this energy flow, but I experienced it every year. Don't know why like I would be very like um lethargic. My willpower wasn't there. I just was like and people just feel that in general when the fall comes, the sun's yeah. away. It's just like that level of shift. And then I found that it was really intense for me at a certain point and like where usually that would be the busiest time. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be doing so much, but I'm just like, I shouldn't be really doing that much. But, right now. <laughs> but yeah, right now. But the way that my life is set up though. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got to keep like, moving. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I'm like struggling to pull myself together and really feeling it hard. And just like, wow. Like, I'm like, what is that? And then I know it's consistent. Like, Oh, like naturally my in my reality i have like the fall i'm very tuned in nature so i go into like the underworld so i'm like that's when i started to realize like oh wow like oh, there's a lot of things underneath the hood that maybe i wasn't looking in throughout the year that i was just kind of suppressing that now at this point is just coming out and yeah. so then within dealing with that and then trying to do with the busy schedule it's like whoa this is a lot so what has become the experience ideally for me like i usually like to focus on taylor ending my year around that particular time to hopefully by like late November, December, it's like completely, I can just process and heal and ground myself and completely reconnect. Asking the right question and, and how you can do that, I think it definitely opens up the conversation to mm. potentially figure out what that is for you. Yeah. And one thing is, um, obviously that's not something that everyone is innately born with. And so how mm. did you come to get to that place where you became aware of of those cycles and how you were working? How how long did it take? And then how did you figure out or what are you figuring out navigating those cycles and still working in community with other creatives and and the communities that you lead? I'm still integrating and and and, and finding some level of immersion within that within those spaces. Um but the greatest gift is that a lot of the work that I'm doing now is self-initiated work. Mm. Um, we founded the organization. We're creating the content. We're creating the programming. We decide what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So the way that we work in, in our space uh, is more so don't do anything that you don't feel that you're here for at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and holding space and trusting that like not everyone's going to be here for a meeting every day. Or to, you know, or or this certain type of activity. And that's okay. You don't have to be. Take a break. Mm-hmm. We'll visit that tomorrow. Whoever is able to handle that today can handle that and vice versa. And creating those spaces of grace. I think when we do that, it kind of does actually allow for what's most important to come up and for that conversation to be held. Whereas, I guess, in traditional, more so colonial type of spaces, it's like whether you like it or not, this is what we're doing and very mm. capitalistic in that particular way. Um, and a lot of the work that we're doing um, is 
um, is more so focused on like impact and service and 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 trusting and understanding the process of the resources do come when you do a really good job focusing on and understanding the assignment. You know, mm. like this is what we're here to do. This is what we're impact we're trying to have. And then if we do that right, subsequently, whatever that we need will show up and trusting that process. To get to this space is definitely holding space for yourself. You know, it was interesting creating space and trying to create safe spaces um, for community. But definitely, I think for me, it was like going to the continent was one of those things. It's like a reset, mm. you know, mm-hmm. it was like a choo 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 choo. There's like, there's other ways of being. There's actually an innate way of being that just exists within you. Yeah, you have to listen. You know, that's, yeah, that yeah. if you are in the right environment, it could just connect. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm thinking clear. Like, mm. I'm feeling better. And and that the scary thing is that it's just that initial step of finding out what that is, you know. And you may be alone in that. And I think that's the journey. It's not... It's not easy to make those decisions. It's a process to get to a point um, where you honor yourself. Um, and it's a choice every day um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things that are constantly being pushed at you. Other people trying to impose their will upon you, other environments trying to impose their will upon you. And then, but you being like, no, this isn't what feels best for me. And there's sometimes there's real consequences for that for a lot of people yeah. um, based upon their choices um, and, and the environments that in. Obviously, we know about being Black in space. Sometimes being you could be mean that you're going to die. Mm. Sometimes that ancestral or based upon imp- imposing of, of our experiences that we've had, that fear is still within ourselves. Like if I step out, some consequence is going to happen to me. The environment may not be there. Like nobody's going to come and after me in that particular way, depending on where I'm at, but I still have that fear and I don't mm-hmm. know why. But I think like my main soul awareness was like the spiritual and healing and connecting to that and, and figuring out what that is to liberate me to get to the point where I could start to have those conversations within myself first Mm -hmm. and then be strong enough to realize like, you know what, like this keeps happening. I don't like it. (laughs) What am I going to do about it? Like what, what is my personal responsibility here? Like I keep showing up in this space in this way. Is there Mm -hmm. another way that I can show up? Is there another space that I can show up? And if I necessarily can't, is there something that I can create to support me while I'm in that environment where like I, I feel stuck. And I think that those things just start to create new pathways and opportunities. But community is such a huge part of that. Within doing that, aligning and meeting the right people. And also, like I said, going and tuning into the right spaces. I 100% believe that nature is the greatest teacher. That's Mm -hmm. the original teacher. Um, So spending more time in, in that space. Because nature is a master of like ecologies, systems, working with big organizing systems integrated mm-hmm. working together so the more time you spend with trees or with the air or with other, just observing it passively at least for me i'm a very very um i'm a copycat i'm like if i'm in a space and i can observe i download and mm-hmm. so i think that i think we all naturally are as people of African descent and people in general so i think that if you open up and hold space for yourself and feel comfortable enough to find a green space or somewhere that 
you can connect to ground or whether that be with people, without people, just to start to pull in a different vibe, a different awareness. I think the conversation will just naturally sprout if you do yeah. it consistently. And that's the thing, consistency. Yeah. And speaking of changing environments, obviously the last year, 18 months, where are we now? Eight, how many months has it yeah. been? I've <laughs> lost count. But this is obviously a yeah. completely different environment than many of us have experienced in three decades, five decades, six, eight, 10 decades, depending on how old people yeah. are. Um, what have you learned about being in this new environment that we've had to be, that we've kind of been forced to be in? Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Like, you know, when we ask for things, you know, the universe is listening, you know, and sometimes the things, the way to get the things you want necessarily doesn't happen the way that we think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Example of the story, one of my favorite, like my mentors, uh, he talks about like the fact of like, you know, I want, I want a new computer. Somebody's like, I want a new computer. I want a new computer. Okay. Um, And then, in order to get it, surprise, surprise, somebody had to like break into their house. Right. And, you know, and, and, and steal their old one. And then the insurance company, you know, and replaces up it, replacing yeah. it, yeah. you know, so it's just kind of like so many people looming and wanting a change and wanting something to happen. And then here comes COVID and, and, and just shifts the whole conversation. One thing that this is the key, this is something that's that I just recently learned that I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that really changed my life. <laughs> um so somebody said to me too, um, I don't own this information, but I wanna share it. And if if some people if you can tune into it, it's a real thing. Time is information. When you and the whole entire purpose of this experience is evolution. When you have time, which is synonymous with information and movement you create an event. Mm-hmm. So time and movement creates an event. And when you create an event, you create an opportunity for evolution. So understanding that this COVID experience that we've experienced in this time, it's, it is an event. And in this event of this COVID experience, it's an opportunity for us to evolve. We can evolve in either which way. Like I think the choice is in our hands in what Mm -hmm. way we're going to go or not. And we can, in our own personal life, create movements and events to cause our own evolution. And when I realized that, like it recently is like, wow, like I'm really in control of my destiny. I could really actually start to initiate certain conversations and things that are important to me and I don't have to wait. And it's just like, wow, we all have that power within our hands at any point to influence culture, especially now with with uh, social media, as we see, and, and, and obviously understanding how influential people of African descent are. We create trends all the time. We constantly are creating events and moments mm-hmm. and event evolution. We're constantly evolving. It's like the, the TikTok strike by the Black yeah. creative. The way that that literally stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So powerful. But but it defined the times, right? It's an event that defined Mm -hmm. the times. It's like we decided that, you know what, this is what it's going to be now. Mm -hmm. And we all have the power to do that. It's just like whatever is going on, it's like, you know, we want to move in a different direction. Let's let's stop 
sharing our content. And now it's like, now people have to really take consideration if they yeah. want their platforms. to The power of no. <laughs> yeah. The power of no. And which is like really exciting to know that, like, and to really understand that, like, we can really, it's like, it was really never really up to anybody else, even within your own personal reality. It's just like, after this moment, I'm going to move in this direction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set up this event intentionally. That's, and that's ritual. That's in our customs. That's within our culture. That's what we do inherently. That's why we had ritual. And that's why we have moments and celebration and rites of passage. It's just like to grow ourselves up. Because if we don't have these moments of in self-initiated choices, mm-hmm. we're just going to be stuck in the same loop. In a continual loop. And I think for the longest time, people of African descent have been stuck in the loop because they somebody else was defining when the events were. Because somebody else, because whoever controls when events happen controls when history happens and gets to define what is going on. Hence the Olympics. Every four years we have this event and this is gonna mean that, oh, we're gonna do this at this time. That's all not yours, that's somebody else is just defining that. Mm-hmm. And and giving you meaning and giving your life meaning or time meaning and being like, okay, this. This is happening right now. This is a seminal event. So this should matter to you in this way. And it's just like, well, I'm not really connected to that. You know, and I, I, it doesn't really mean that to me. And so I haven't really utilized it in the way that it could mean something to me if I was the one who initiated the conversation, because then mm. I would be controlling the, the wave and the time. And I think that we all have the power, which I think we should all realize to control time. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of change happening and it's really interesting how you how you articulated that about having that power, but also the collective coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have seen in the last year, you know, the power of the collective and people have been reminded of that to some extent, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it would be great to know about your collective that you have and yes. the story of how AfroVan Connect originated and what inspired you to start the collective Yes, Afrovan Connect is a association organization um, that focuses and centers upon creating intentional spaces for people of African descent to come together to gather, commune, community, build, develop resources, and just share and heal and grow. Um, the reason why we started it is because specifically in Western Canada, as well in a lot of places in North America or in the world. Um, Communities of African descent were marginalized at a particular time and undermined, specifically in, in West Coast of Vancouver. There was a viaduct that was put right through the only Black neighborhood that was bustling in Vancouver at that particular time in, in the 70s and pretty much kind of destroyed the community and dispersed. And then since then, there was no actual even building, community center, or space where people of African descent congregated. Everyone was just kind of dis- dispersed in silos. Um, and trying to figure out how they can come together in that particular way. Um, with our organization, um, we're based upon artists. It was, we were trying to look for spaces to connect, to share our work and be like, there was no other, there's no spaces. So we decided like, hey, let's just create those spaces. So we started to meet, meet outside on street corners and cipher. And then we ended up just at beaches and different places. And then from being outside to making community partners, um, which ended up initiating our Black Space Initiative, which it was about basically creating intentional Black space, which is still what we're doing, but also the awareness of like 
if you have a space and you're not using it and you want to help a marginalized community or community or people within the margins, you can. Like if you have an, an office room that you're not using, that you want to support an organization to meet there, to have a conversation. Because space is such, space can come be anything you want. You don't really need a physical space, but in certain places, depending on the weather and other stuff, you do. And But when you do have a space to meet, it definitely brings an opportunity for certain conversations to be had. And especially if you create a safe space, it allows people to really tap into things that are really transformative. Um, and I found definitely within the work that we're doing that as people of African descent, in order for us to grow, we have to do healing work before we do grow, before we can grow. And knowing that a lot of us all share trauma, uh, collective trauma, because of our because of anti systems, anti blackness, and racism, um, we have to ourselves decide how we want to go forward and what we want to do and how we want to heal. Once again, defining the times and what events and things matter to us and what our trajectory is going to be out of the state. And so that's pretty much what we're doing as a community and and where we're at right now. But definitely um, we are really interested and focused upon creating spaces that disempower and support people having to send to be themselves and to come into that awareness that we're talking about to tap into their authentic power and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and feel safe if they can. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, the concept, it sounds amazing to find those empty spaces and to have the opportunity to come together, mm-hmm. um, and create those safe spaces. So important so important to have, mm-hmm. um, so how, or rather, has your engagement with your community or your activism changed in the last year? And yes. how has it been, act- and how has it been impacted? I think that gathering has been definitely, like, yes. it's so crazy. Like, the initiative was about getting spaces so that we could create intentional events and bring people together to have those events. And mm-hmm. then it's just like, COVID, we're just like, well, that's not what you guys are doing anymore. <laughs> you just need to cut that off. And so it became about like pivoting and then also realizing that virtual space is a space. Mm, yes. Anywhere where two or more people gather in my name is a thing. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter in what space that is. So in realizing that virtual space is a thing, uh, as a community, we shifted to focus more so on connecting with a bigger conversation as well which aligns up with with the Black Space Symposium, virtual. Um, we started in the year 2020, and we have uh, an, an event happening again on July 22nd to the 24th, and it's open for everyone all around the world, and which is a really cool thing because it's like before we're still having the conversation in silos in our own communities, but then realizing that it's a global conversation, that everyone wants spaces to connect um everyone needs accessibility and and like understanding that sometimes space is ableist in nature in the sense that not everyone can come Mm -hmm. to space right you know so if you want to be accessible let me come to you you know Mm -hmm. not everyone has funds to fly out to 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 meet somebody in the continent um but how about we can create a space where people can connect and have that dialogue and still have those meaningful conversations and 
and also we can connect in 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 ways where we can share resources and information and learn and also realize that I'm not alone. People in the UK are experiencing the exact same thing, and they may have tools and resources and information that could be supportive to communities that have been operating in silos that could help them level up and just through sharing those experiences. So definitely that's what we're more so focused on now. It's not just about our local community, but it is about the global community. And I think that that's the fact that that happened in that way so exponentially, like just a switch and and that we're moving into it. It's just like, it's, it's great because that's what we're having this conversation, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm really happy about this. And just subsequently, like the amazing conversations of people that have had to got to meet outside of my own community because of the pivot. And, and I think that because of this, more so people will, will know about each other and be able to create and define um, things that would, were not going to probably happen before. Like some people just wouldn't have met before. Um, but I think that definitely there's some level of expedient growth that's happening. And so it's exciting in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it helps you reach people in such a different way and it helps change happen in such a different way. And certainly if we're thinking about some of the more political um, events that have happened, all of them, the very huge impactful ones to the ones happening in local spaces, it's being seen differently, obviously, because we're more tapped into those digital and virtual spaces as well. So someone who has activism embedded in your work, do you believe there's been an actual change globally in people's approach or is it performative because we have these new platforms to see it? Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, that's the conversation that we're having uh, at the Black Space Symposium this year. Just another plug. Anybody would like to Yeah, I'll keep plugging. Keep plugging. Yes, it's all about, um, and the information will be subsequently will be on our platforms and online. So even if you don't attend, you'll still be able to to watch it either on YouTube or Vimeo or some other space and we'll be posting it. And we're going to have more intentional conversations about this. But I think the main question that we're having is what are sustainable solutions? Like how do we keep this conversation going in a way that's going to be impactful? And I think there's certain key framing that we need to look at the problem. There's many ways to solve a problem, but what is the most impactful way? And mm. I think that a lot of times people, when it comes to performative things, it's that may not be the most impactful thing mm-hmm. that you're doing. You're just doing something just enough to signify that I care or that I initiated something to make myself feel good about the fact that I, I, took a look at it, but like, is that the most impactful thing that you can do? And one thing that I would ask, you know, people don't say allies over here, they say accomplices, you know, people who are trying to like help you dismantle the systems is Mm -hmm. that to look at whatever you're choosing to offer and do, is that the most impactful thing that you can do, honestly, Um, based upon the privilege that you have or the platform that you have, Mm-hmm. Is a tweet the only thing you can do or is there something more sustainable that you can offer? And I would like to open people to that conversation of deciding what that could be. But that I think that framework kind of gives people more approachable way to look at the problem and be like, OK, and personalize it. So mm-hmm. what can I do? Oh, I have access to like I said, space 
you know, I can move things over and allow people in. I have access to resources. Maybe let me make that donation or let me make a consistent donation. I have access to products. Uh, let me make sure that those products are, are um, given to the people that need it. I have access to, I need to hire and employ people. Let me actually hire and employ the people and allow them to have the ability to speak for themselves. Like once again, that, that like ableist conversation. I don't know what it is to be somebody who is impaired in a certain way. And instead of trying to think for you, let me just bring you into the space and you can define and speak for yourself. But in relation to back to the question, do I think that there is some level of actual change that's going on? I'm an optimist and I would like to believe so. I believe there's a change going on within me in mm -hmm. where I become more clear about my assignment and how I want to move forward. And I think that change can only really start with you. And because it's about us giving ourselves own, our own permission to do the things that we need to do. Yeah. Everyone is responsible too. And that's the only way that we're going to accept that real impact and change. And if you're defaulting from your responsibility, you're defaulting from your role and your your place as a human being in this space. And if you're not operating and choosing to do something, I understand there's reasons and, and ways, like like I said, again, do what you can do with what you have access to and where you're at, like, and not compare yourself to somebody like who's able-bodied compared to, to who somebody who's not. Like it's, you mm -hmm. can't, but what, what you can do from where you're at choose to do what you can do most impactfully in that particular space. And sometimes that is sharing something. Sometimes that is a wonderful conversation that yet with the Yams and you could, you know, <laughs> and sometimes that is, you know, dedicating your life or whatever that makes sense for you. But I do believe that change is happening and that, and that, and that we are creating the spaces and conversations that are going to redefine the world and that it's happening right now. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Kamara. No, no, I was just, I was just disagreeing with that, and just that was a really positive, um, a positive way to to frame it, not to frame it, just to to acknowledge, really, mm -hmm. positive thing to acknowledge that we are making change and that change is is happening. So we actually have um, a surprise question for you, Core. <laughs> Um, it's a surprise question we give to all of our guests, and it's to do with the name of the show. We want to know which do you prefer, yams or yuca, and how do you like them cooked? We're bringing it back to food. Yes. 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 <laughs> I love it. I, I'm yams. I love yeah. yams. I think, like, who doesn't? Like, like yeah, I <laughs> I think even, anyway, there's a, there's a tradition dish called musena too. Um, and it, like, I was raised uh, uh, in, in a... Muslim culture, as people know in Africa, there's a lot of Muslims, um, mm -hmm. and and there's reasons of culturally how that came into space and and all that. But I was raised uh, uh, traditionally in Islam, and during the month of Ramadan, to break our fast, um, we would have musanatu, and it's just like it's like potatoes, yams, plantains, like all stewed together. Mm. Um, and it was like, it was like sweet, salty, savory, like all of that. I remember as a kid being like, oh, you know, because it's like the thing that you eat every time. All the like time. Like, yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> is there anything else 
but then now as an adult, it's just like really like uh, it's really loving, you know. Yeah, mm. I think food in general is like really loving. Like for somebody who, like the coolest thing I'm, that really touched my heart too in Uganda, like people, or a lot of people ask like, "Have you eaten?" Mm. Like instead of like, "How are you? How are you doing?" Like, "Have you eaten? Like, have you nourished?" Yeah. And that's like that's like ah, oh, you know what I mean? That's like yeah. you actually really care. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like. Cause you want my, my, you want to make sure my body's good. Like I'm really, you know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. here and I think that's like a, a lovely sentiment. Yeah. It's a special way to be in community with people, to be, to be thoughtful about their nourishment and if they're taken care of and, and that to be the way that you, you look out for one another. So yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, can you please tell us about Black Spaces Symposium and where people can check it out and get more information? Definitely. Okay, so the Black Space Symposium uh, virtual, um, it will be online as and anybody has access to it. Um, if you want to go to our website, afrovanconnect.com, uh, A-F-R-O-V-N-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com, um, mm-hmm. you can see all of our programs that we have on our site and you can learn more about us. Um, and as well, we have a, a tab that says the Black Space Symposium. And on there, we have some information. Yeah, as well, follow me on Instagram at osmosis, O-S-M-O-S-E-S. Um, I'm the same thing on TikTok, O-S-M-O-S-E-S with an X there. And then on all following platforms, you can just search Unicor, B-U-N-I-K-O-R, and I'll come up or Core Case, K-O-R-K-A-S-E. Um, but yeah, I'm really thankful to be here. Um, this is really a great conversation. Like it flowed yes. really, really well. We're being super early and I'm surprised yeah. that I was part articulate <laughs> at this time. I think that this will be the time that I should be doing this type of conversating. Um, but <laughs> I'm really thankful for the platform. I'm really happy with the work that you guys are doing. Um, Heather, I can go on and talk about how amazing you are. Um, but Oh, you know, thank you. <laughs> it's what it is. And it's, but I'm so thankful for all the work that you guys are doing. It's just a pleasure to me um, and this, in this way. And I just hope that we can continue to have this dialogue and, and conversation and like, and make it just so accessible. Like it's like friends mm-hmm. across the world that like, yeah, that that's just, it. That you can really, and, and you're meeting like on a real way, like you're talking mm-hmm. about real things, you know? Yes. So it's like, yes. a, it's like an instant, like, I know you, I'm here with you. Like, yes. how can I support you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, yes. and it's lovely. Like it's it, and one of the things like a prayer you ask to meet like minded people, but the thing is like not sometimes they're not all in the same space, but now you can meet yeah. them and, in any way. Yeah, virtually. In any way. And still do stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. We're gonna link all that in the description box in case you missed any of those things. So definitely check out Black Space Symposium, check out Afro Van Connect, check out Unicore, it's music yes. and everything. And as always, Core, every time I talk to you, I have a new perspective on life. So thank you so much <laughs> for this. Thank you. Kamara, <laughs> you're the you're the bomb. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to check out Black Space Symposium as well. I'm going to have to Please. register and get myself a ticket and hear from yes. those international leaders for sure. It sounds incredible. It um, yeah, it's really it's it's going to be really exciting to listen to how people how we can engage and how people are changing the digital space mm-hmm. and. More so, we look forward to when you can visit us in London and join yes. us at the dinner table in real life. I really can't wait. I think that's going to happen sooner than later because I said that conversation is just, I keep meeting people from yeah. space. 
it'd be really nice. That'd be really, that's a goal of mine. I have yet to be there and I would love to be there and love to like meet my Soon friends come. and like yeah yeah that's definitely. it that's cool. it well Soon, thank yeah. you once again yes we know it will happen soon for sure yeah definitely well listeners we're going to take a break to digest everything core shared with us and when we come back it will be time to indulge in a little dessert we'll be right back We are, we are back and it's time for our sweet and savory desserts. So those of you who are new to the show, this is where we recap those moments in the conversation that give us a nice sugar rush or the richer stick to the stomach, savory, fulfilling moments in our conversation with our guests. So for me, my sweet moment was just Core's overall celebration of blackness. Um, he never hesitated to the big up me and Kamara about being beautiful black women and really being in our own. Yeah, he never hesitated to really celebrate us being strong, beautiful black women doing what we love and really stepping out as leaders in in our fields. And I really love, besides him, you know, obviously celebrating us, he just in general was really celebratory of blackness in general and people being themselves, whatever version that was. And yes, this podcast is about celebrating that. Um, but it's really nice when we have a guest that really puts that forward and and it, it really exudes in how they talk about you know, what they do, how they live and their experiences in life. What about you, Kamara? Well, my sweet moment, because I did write down a lot of savory moments, actually, but I think my sweet moment was more about um, him himself and that the fact that he was, I think it was 6 a.m., where he was mm-hmm. um, when mm-hmm. we did the interview, which was just really nice to have that, you know, commitment and that that support of what we were doing. As he said, you know, he was um, supporting us a lot and just to have that, yeah. to have someone to give the time at 6 a.m. And I think he said that he was in his pajamas before and when he realised that the cameras were on because when we record we have video yeah. that he <laughs> threw on some clothes um, <laughs> just for us, thankfully. Um, yes. <laughs> so you know how it is in Zoom and things these days. You only have to dress from the top half and who knows what's happening down below. But um, I appreciate that he put clothes yeah. on for us and that he uh, met us to interview at 6am in the morning. So that was my sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I saw, you know, the time that was booked, I was like, is he sure? I thought maybe he just didn't realize the time conversion. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually messaged him a couple of times. I was like, are you sure you're going right. to meet with us tomorrow morning? <laughs> but yes, mm-hmm. I appreciate the the enthusiasm and the support. I mean, definitely. Yeah. It's much, much appreciated. Um, what about mm-hmm. your savory moments? Um, my savory moments, so I had, there were a few actually, mm-hmm. but one of them that resonated with me is that he spoke about nature and he said nature is the biggest teacher and to spend more time in nature. And Definitely during this lockdown period, I have rediscovered, you know, the benefits of being in nature. I have a really great park near where I live and it has these wetlands and these kind of big lakes. And I I would Mm -hmm. go during lockdown and just sit by the lake for just Mm. hours. Um, So that one really resonated with me and how we just need to be around nature to help us um, thrive, really. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm going to go in with another one, which is that everyone is an activist and do what you can with what you have access to so that we all have the potential to make significant changes. And sometimes we think as individuals, what can I do? You know, I'm just one person. I can't make a change. You know, you might think that yourself, but, but we all have the power to do something and it may not change the whole world, but it could just impact one person, which is enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are reluctant to do things because they think, oh, it's not going to reach many people. Right. So what's the point? Um, but if you're going to impact, and I know we've spoken about this before, if you can just impact one person, or even if it's just impacting yourself, then it has a value. Mm-hmm. So those are my savory moments. I um, said two, sorry, not sorry, um, <laughs> instead of one. <laughs> and uh, what was yours, Heather? Oh, I'm going to be the same. I have like a page full of savory moments. And this is kind of why I really want to core on the shows because even in the short conversation I had with him, like there are just so many things that really I picked up and stuck with me in our conversation. So um, first one was when he was talking about home and how for him, like getting the ex his external home to match his internal space, like what he felt was mm-hmm. home with his connections yeah. to his Ugandan family and to his experience and his upbringing in um, Canada, that really resonated with me because it's almost like no matter where you are, if if you can get your external to match your internal, then you will always be at home. Um, as someone who's previously always been on the road and traveling mm-hmm. and kind of lived in so many different places, that really, really, really sat with me. And then the other, it's kind of like a trail of like little savory bites. Imagine, you know, Hansel and Gretel just dropping things in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> not sure that's how we've been working no. but go no but, but go you know little trails that's all right <laughs> so first <laughs> drop your trails yes um first um there's a spectrum of expression um and being on that spectrum no matter where it is there's nothing wrong with that so you know where many of us have been told to live within a heteronormative uh white patriarchal societies um particularly in the west you know, and now I think we're in a generation where a lot of us are breaking away from those, from what was considered normal or mainstream and, and creating our own ways of expression and living our lives and being that resonated. And then let's get to the next breadcrumb of like not negotiating, okay. <laughs> you know, not negotiating mm-hmm. where you are and who you are and not marginalizing yourself for others to feel comfort because you're at breaking outside of whatever mm-hmm. the normative is. Um, and that mm-hmm. jumping to the next breadcrumb gives you value. You, you get, you're placing value on yourself instead of waiting for someone else to do that or for mainstream society to do that for you. And then when you're put into positions where they want to challenge where you are on that spectrum and your, your way of expressing yourself, um, you have the power to say no. That's the fourth mm-hmm. little savory mm-hmm. bite there. Like you have the power to say no and there is power and strength in saying no to things and, and how people want to marginalize you. So there you go. A nice little charcuterie board of <laughs> savory bites. A savory bites. A little snack for you all. A little feast. Um, thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Heather. You're welcome. Well, that's it for today then, Heather. We'd like to thank you for listening. Please let us know what your sweet and savory moments were, whether it's one or whether it's several bites, using the hashtag 
yams and yuca. That's right. We want to hear about all of your savory, sweet and savory moments. And don't forget to tag us at yams and yuca on Twitter and at yams and yuca podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Alternatively, you can email us at yams and yuca podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's yams and yuca podcast at gmail.com. I feel like I should repeat it again because we've not gotten any emails from our listeners. No. Come on, listeners. We want to hear from you. Okay, maybe not email, but you know, we want to hear from you guys. What mm-hmm, are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yes, please do share with us because we want to hear your thoughts on today's conversation and any other conversation that you've listened to. So let's keep the discussion going. Feel free to share your stories as well and to add them to our Yams and Yuka tapestry. And we will chat with you guys next time. Bye. Bye.